Scott Thompson Show. Weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML. General Motors has announced they're uh, not only closing uh, the operation in Oshawa, but also uh, other plants throughout the United States. 14,000 uh, all total and 2,500 at least of those uh, in General Motors, unionized uh, jobs at General Motors in Oshawa as well. Here's the reaction from a couple of employees that got the news. It's devastating. It just, it's absolutely horrible. We all here to make a, make a living, feed our families, you know. It's uh, bad news. Have you heard anything from the company? Everything's been quiet. Every, uh, they're... They don't really say much. They keep things close to the chest. Usually, sometimes we find the uh, through the media is we find out more information through the media than we do through the company. Sometimes. All right, Christo Avalis is with us, Social Sciences and Humanities Research Council postdoctoral fellow in History, University of Toronto, and is with us now. Christo, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. Thanks for having me. Uh, obviously, a tough day today for Ontario. Uh, surprised by this? It seemed to blindside a few people. Well, it seemed to blindside pretty much a everyone. A lot of people, I, mean, I guess. The mayor yeah. didn't know. Yeah. The, the union didn't know. I don't. Who knows what even local management at, at say GM Oshawa knew? But uh, and this is further surprising because, in addition to the announcement being fairly, fairly, uh, you know, uh, impromptu, it kind of broke last night through CTV. Um, it was the fact that, you know, a few years ago, there in the last round of negotiations between Unifor and GM, the Unifor gave a lot of concessions up, uh, gave, bent, bent a lot to help ensure that beyond 2019, that was the rhetoric used a few years ago, um, that those jobs would stay there, that, you know, they had met the union, they had met the employer on, on certain issues around pensions, and they said that those kind of concessions would, would hurt perhaps some workers, but would keep the jobs there, you know, for the next generation. And it seems like, you know, uh, unfortunately, the, the employer has deemed that, that, that those weren't enough concessions and, and are moving the jobs anyway. What about General Motors as a company? Obviously, 2009, the big bailout and, and, and you know, a relaunch at that point, a reboot at that point, but still have, haven't really seemed to have taken off. Uh, have they rebounded from that? Are they? Is, is this a reflection of the entire auto industry, or just one particular business? I mean, that's 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 a big question, and you know, my wheelhouse is more on, on labor and politics. But I guess I could say that you know, yeah, you know, after after the two thousand nine crash, a lot of big industries, maybe the airlines, auto industries, etc., took a big hit, and in some ways benefited greatly from from a bailout. Wasn't strictly a bailout. There was, you know, they they gave they gave shares in exchange for um, the government investment. Now the Canadian government did sell those shares at a fairly big loss, and 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 some people are saying that maybe if we would have held on to those, we would have had greater bargaining power in the future of the company and its actions. You know, those are other questions we can ask. But you know, today at least the stock's up. So I guess the investors of of GM are are happy with the news. Regular people, maybe not so much. Where does this leave the workers? The union vows the plant will remain open. It seems like uh, they're going to shut down the whole operation. What are your thoughts on that? What can they do? Well, you know, the, in terms of uh, right now, I think the workers are voicing their displeasure and and they're 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 manifesting in the yeah. way they can in the short term. I think in the long term, we have to explore political solutions to this. I mean, the reality is that. Um, GM doesn't feel the plant can work, but Canadians need cars and workers need jobs. And I don't think it's out of the realm of the possibility for the city, the province and the country to explore public ownership. 
of the industry of in, in Oshawa at least to explore the idea of manufacturing the cars Canadian needs. Maybe not just cars, but uh, public transit, other forms of automotive equipment. What can the plant be retooled for? The reality is that we don't need GM to build cars. We got the workers and the expertise to do it without them. And I think that's something we can explore. Now, I know the premier has maybe has an ideological inclination against that, although maybe he'll prove me wrong. But he's also seemed quite resigned to the fact that these jobs are going away uh, and he seems to want to move on from this. Is there much uh, the Canadian government, say the federal government, can do in regard? Uh, I'm getting notes from listeners here. What about the bailout in 2009? Uh, don't they owe us? Don't they? Now, from what I understand, when they did sell the shares, they actually did make money on those. But there were lots that said, as you suggested, that they should have hung on to those. Uh, do you see like another bailout coming here? I mean, that's, a, that's another question. That, that, that could happen. I think that, you know, one of the things we have to discuss, and this is a broader policy, is that, you know, when we do give money to companies, especially large businesses, for them to come to Canada and build, I think, you know, uh, you know getting equity in return, getting hard guarantees in terms of job creation should be a, a, a goal. And some companies might not like that, but I think, you know, if we're going to use taxpayer money, we should make sure that we get the best investment we can from it. You know, longer term, it's an interesting question about, you know, outsourcing. In some ways, you're right. I mean, some people will say, well, you got to blame the unions for this. But in some cases, you can move to jurisdictions where they pay lower than our minimum wage. And there's nothing we can really do about that. I mean, maybe there are some politicians out there who want us to lower the minimum wage to, say, seven, six, five dollars an hour, maybe, in uh, you know, a libertarian party type thing. But I don't think that's politically palatable. But I do think that there is opportunity for some manufacturing in Canada because a lot of it still requires a lot of technical knowledge and a lot of it still requires, you know, an educated and responsible workforce. And one of the things that's been noted by, by, by the auto industry in Canada is that our workers are very efficient. And some of that's the machines, to be sure. But the reality is that when you have an educated workforce who, who believes in their job and does a good job at it, there's a value in that. And that might mean that you know, the Canadian workers still have value. And maybe it doesn't mean that we make GM cars here, but there's no reason why that factory couldn't be taken by the public to build different things. We, maybe electric cars, maybe the next uh, technology to have public transit, be it intercity or between cities. I mean, you know, the, the reality is that there's a future for manufacturing potentially, but it might not be directed by profit motives, but by the needs of Canadians themselves. So what can, uh, if you are a, a General Motors employee today, um, um, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? What are your options? I mean, that's really hard. I mean, right now it's, it's tricky. I mean, it, it seems like, you know, in the immediate, it's not like the factory's closing today. No. So maybe you have some time to plan. I mean, that, that means you also have time to worry, which is, which, is, which is hard. I mean, I would think that, you know, your first concern is, you know, what do I do for myself and my family? Um, and then my second concern is, well, what's going to happen to my community? Because, again, it should be underlined that, you know, 2,500, 2,800, I forget, it's 2,500 or so jobs are being lost. That in and of itself is devastating. Mm. But these are good paying, uh, you know, stable jobs. And when these jobs go, it affects small businesses in the community. It affects restaurants. It affects any kind of business that really depends on disposable income. So I would be concerned for the kind of general kind of Oshawa and Durham region community. I think beyond that, you know, workers are expressing some of their anger and frustration. And I think in the medium term, you know, as this 
factory closes. If it indeed does, we don't know if a solution will, will come. I think they have to look at, you know, well, what are our options as, as voters, as citizens, to, to put forward our priorities um, going forward as workers and as, as manufacturing workers. And I think that's where they have to look. And, I mean, I can't answer those questions. That's something that the workers themselves kind of have to look at. Uh, do we, as as a province, have to, and we, we touched on this earlier, do we have to face the fact that the economy is, in fact, changing? I mean, you know, as terrible as this is for these people, um, y- you know, obviously these jobs are going to other parts of the world. There was a, a piece I read as well that, that GM just created 700 new jobs in Markham that were high-tech related. Uh, do, do we have to find that balance, and, and how do we get a workforce through that from one transition to another? I mean, part of that's a generational thing, right? I mean, part of that is, you know, as uh, you know, young workers today who are training in schools and universities and colleges, et cetera, are being trained for those new work. And I mean, that's part of the reality. I mean, it's difficult to to to, to transition an existing workforce. I think that again, I think part of this is that you're right; things are changing. Um, but things have always been changing, and things have changed mm. a lot over the last 30 years. And, yep. and, and I feel, again, that it's not as if these factories have become you know, useless. It's not as if we don't need the things produced in Canada, or we don't have the materials and the labor to produce them. It's that a private company who doesn't have you know, any kind of loyalty to the Canadian people or the taxpayers or the community of Oshawa has decided that it's no longer worth building the things there. It doesn't mean we can't build those things or other things there. And I think those are kind of broader political questions. And whether the Trudeau liberals or the Ford progressive conservatives believe in, you know, the democratic, you know, control of certain industries for the benefit of Canadians is another question. But I think those are discussions we need to be having. We really do need to be discussing why do we get to decide why GM feels we can no longer manufacture things here. Maybe we still can. Is this a turning point in Ontario? Uh, well, I mean, if I knew that, I'd probably, you know, be able to pick lottery numbers mm. or, or something like that. I mean, but, you know, it, it, it depends. If this kind of manifests in kind of disgruntlement at the government federally and provincially, maybe it has an effect in our next election. Maybe it raises uh, new discussions about the future of good jobs. Uh, it could, you know, uh, m- mobilize certain people. But it could also be like a lot of other job closures where, you know, it's hurt in a community pretty badly. Um, there is some, you know, talk about doing something or other and, and things fizzle out. I mean, my hope is that it's more of the former. And we really do see, you know, the discussions we need to have as a kind of province in a society. But, but I mean, I, I can't predict that, of course. Uh, we heard the union representative talking about capitalistic greed. Um, I guess it was capitalism that got us to where we are. Unfortunately, lots have fallen through the cracks here. How do we balance this? Are, are we heading towards socialism, Christo? Where's the, where's the balance here? Well, I mean, I'm of the view that it's either socialism or barbarism. That's, that's what I view, <laughs> that we're, we're in a deep we're in a deep kind of turning point for human society. And I have written about this from McLean's and other sources saying that, you know, to a certain degree, you know, we learned a lot from World War II. And one of the things we learned is that, you know, Canadians, irrespective of profit motives, can do a lot of amazing things. And maybe we need to explore some of those values again. And maybe it's also the case that as we're approaching, you know, greater and greater automation, you know, people are talking about things like basic income. But we have to ask ourselves a question, you know, if, 
if you no longer even need workers to run your your billion dollar industries, what risk does that have in concentrating power in the hands of a, a few billionaires that are even more powerful than the billionaires today are? We have to ask ourselves a question. Can democracy survive, you know, uh, autocracy within our industry? And do we need to democratize the means of production if we want to preserve democracy, say, in the 22nd or in the, or in the later 21st century? And again, those are debates we need to be having as a society. Um, and I can't, you know, give my definitive answer. I think my opinion is yes, we do need to democratize industry. But, but I know my opinion is not, you know, in any way, uh, you know, objective in that sense. How do you find the happy medium there, Christo? Because, you know, there's people who are saying what you you are saying and stand by that, and then that scares others on the right, and when they say something, that scares others on the left. Is Is there a middle we're missing here? Is there a way we can be uh, profitable and socially conscious? Well, you know, one thing people have a concern about when you talk about, you know, public ownership is maybe a concentration of power in the government. I think that a lot of people are concerned about that. And, you know, they're, you know, if you look at, like, say, North Korea, it's maybe not a, a good example to follow. But, you know, Canada is a federal government. And it could mean that when we talk about public ownership, it need not be, you know, just, you know, centered in Ottawa. It could be owned by cities, by provinces, by communities, by the federal government. That's an interesting point, Crystal, yeah. because what I, what I think people get concerned about is when they put too much power in the hands of government, they're not paying attention because it's not their money. At least with a private organization, there's accountability. I think what we've seen in the past is government running things that they really have proven they're not good at. So how do you instill confidence in people that, yeah, we'll just, you know, we'll do this with the electricity system. We'll do this with, with manufacturing. We'll do when we haven't really seen any evidence that there's anybody in the government qualified to run things like this. Well, there's a few things. One, I mean, they, clearly GM is not accountable to anybody but the people who own GM, and they're very happy with today's news. And I would say that the vast majority of people aren't. So, I mean, there's limited accountability within private industry as well. I mean, and with the government, imperfect that it is, you can throw the bums out, and you don't need to own five million shares to do it. Hmm. I mean, you, uh, my vote counts the same as, you know, uh, Galen Weston's vote in mm-hmm. our system. In a stock system, that's certainly not the case. But I think that, you know, one discussion people have had before, and it's kind of become old-fashioned, but it's getting a bit of a resurgence, is not just government ownership, not just federal or provincial or municipal ownership, but more ownership through cooperatives and more ownership through workers. And those still have to operate under the fact that, you know, the company has a balance sheet and it has to, you know, bring more money in than it, than it puts out to, and, you know, has to pay for its obligations. But, but it's owned by the people who actually do the work and therefore has more of a direct responsibility to the community. And that decentralizes the power both from, say, you know, uh, bureaucratic planners in Ottawa, but also, you know, Bay Street boys down in downtown Toronto as well. And maybe that's something that both maybe the left and right can agree on, even if it's for different reasons. Christo Abelis has been with us, Social Sciences and Humanities Research Council, postdoctoral fellow in history at University of Toronto. Fascinating discussion, Christo. Thanks for the time. Much appreciated. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.